Will Jabril Cox be a week one starter for the Dallas Cowboys at linebacker? All that and more on this episode of the Locked Up Cowboys podcast. You are Locked On Cowboys, your Locked daily Dallas Cowboys on. podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Locked Network, your on. team every day. Welcome back to the Locked On Cowboys podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We want to thank you for making us your first listen of the day. We are free and available on all platforms. I am Marcus Mosher. You can follow me on Twitter at Marcus underscore Mosher. He is Landon McCool. Check him out at McCoolBCB. Landon, let's first start with this. How did you enjoy the uh, first ever, I guess it wasn't the first ever episode of Locked On Landon, but one of the few episodes? Uh, it's, 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 it's like juggling, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's a lot of things going on at once. It's, uh, and, and, and much like juggling, I think you, you know, once you've learned it, you've done it before, uh, it takes a second to get back into it, but, but after, after you do, I, I think, I think, uh, you kind of get, get the hang of it. So it wasn't yes. so bad. Sorry, locked on listeners. I was out yesterday because I was sick, uh, back today, ready to, uh, do some cowboy stuff. So let's first start off with. Some Jabril Cox news. So Stephen Jones talking at yeah. the league meetings. I uh, had some interesting things to say about Jabril Cox. I'm going to actually read you the quote right here. Uh, they asked about his health, and he said he is doing really well. I think he's going to be – I think he is coming along great. He should be a big plus for us this year. He will fill in right away where Keanu Neal left off. I think he has great coverage skills. So to you, Landon, does that mean that he's going to open up the season as the day one weak side linebacker for this team? You know, I think I think it, it certainly is within the realm of possibility. I mean, I, I don't know that anything that what was said by uh, Stephen or Jerry was was surprising. I, no, I think that no. this is kind of what we thought that their expectation level was for him. And uh, I, I think that, yeah, I mean, from what we saw in limited time last year, I think he has the skill set to kind of step into that role now. I mean, we haven't quite seen that unfurl on the field quite yet, but I, there's not – Linebacker is a position that, you know, you can come into the NFL and have some success in. And uh, I think that, you know, he got a little bit of, his, of a taste of what the NFL version of linebacker looks like. And I think with his physical skill set matching up what, you know, you want a modern linebacker to kind of look like, I think he's he's lined up to, uh, if not be the starter at training camp, at the beginning of training camp, certainly earn that spot uh, as, as time goes on. Yeah. I mean, he fits so perfectly as a weak side linebacker in this defense. And it's just unfortunate that he got hurt last year because we saw him trending in the right direction from preseason to early on in the season on special teams to making a big play against the Giants. And I don't even know what week that was. Was it week five or around there? Right. It's all blends together (laughs) at this point. (laughs) Because he tore his ACL relatively early into the season, midway through he's probably going to be ready for week one. Maybe, maybe he'll be ready by week two, week three at the latest, but I I would be kind of shocked if their opening day linebackers weren't Micah Parsons at one spot, Leighton Van Der Esch in the middle and Jabril Cox on the weak side. Like that just seems pretty etched in stone to me right now. Yeah. And, you know, I think with the idea that, you know, Parsons is obviously going to move around a little bit and be a chess piece having two other linebackers that you feel pretty comfortable about on the team yeah. is, is, is going to be something that's going to be beneficial for the Cowboys, you know, no matter what kind of defense they're playing. 
Yeah. Now, speaking of linebackers, uh, they asked Stephen Jones if it's a need for this team going into the draft, and he said, could we be better there? Sure. But I wouldn't say it's a huge priority before the draft. To me, that basically sounds like we just want to add somebody inside the top 100 for depth, and that's about it. Right. Like I, I don't get the sense that they're panicking about linebacker at all. Yeah. I mean, linebacker, uh, linebacker definitely is a position where you kind of can just keep adding them, you know, and, and, and there's, you, there's always going to be a, a use for, for linebackers, you know, on special teams and on a variety of different things. And, you know, they're, they're, they're like running backs in the sense that their bodies wear down a lot as the season mm-hmm. goes on. So it's, it's always good to have a, a rotation of those guys because they're just going to take a lot of physical punishment. Um, you know, well, so like I running think... backs, you can kind of manufacture the production, right? If you want to move a wide receiver to running back, you can basically do the same things, just like you can do at linebacker with J. Ron, <laughs> right? You can move first <laughs> if, you, if you need curse to play more linebacker, you can do that. Heck, if you want to have Donovan Wilson do some weak side linebacker stuff, his run fits are just as good as anybody else on this team. So, I just I don't worry about that position all that yeah. much. They'll, oh, they'll yeah. It certainly isn't a position I worry about. I would say that if they're if they're drafting a, a player there, it's because they like the player. You know, it's yeah, not because yeah. they uh, they feel a pressing need to add another body there. Or certainly not another high level body. You know, because they're yeah. certainly you know they'll they'll be able to add uh, lower round. They have tons a ton of fifth round picks. You know, the, the lower round guys they can add for for kind of just depth and un, undrafted free agent linebackers. Oh my gosh, you know, yeah. work yeah. fine. The Cowboys have had great success there, so. Uh, yeah, I, I think what we're talking about is uh, adding numbers, not not talent to the top. If I told you that the Cowboys didn't draft a linebacker until round four this year, would that concern you? No, no, no that's kind of. I mean, I I mean I, honestly, I, if the Cowboys didn't draft a linebacker this year, I, I wouldn't be so concerned. I, I would I, you be know, so. I, I I would like one more guy that you feel okay about putting in there. I'm just. But at the same time, it feels like you could get that guy on the free agent market if you had to, or, you know what I'm saying? Or maybe on the other side of the draft, someone gets released to make room for a new player, you know? So I think that that's one position where I'm just not worried about getting the replacement, like, like some other positions where, you know, starting left guard or uh, impact wide receiver, those are spots where you probably only are going to get that at the draft at this point. I mean, there hasn't been a starting left guard available in free agency for a week and a half now two weeks mm-hmm. there's going to be starting level linebackers available august september like there just is like i'll give you a, a terrible example anthony hitchens is no longer a starting level player but if you hmm. want an nfl caliber linebacker he's going to be sitting around for a long long time if you need somebody like that you're fine and that's kind of what dallas needs they don't need a guy to walk in here and be a day one starter so. Yeah, I mean that—that's not what they're looking for th- at those spots. You know, uh, they've got what they need there. So I, I think they're—they're they're looking for—they're uh, looking for guys to, to to cover them, right? So that yep. they can you know move freely in the draft. I, I mean, they won't move that freely. They're definitely going to target those positions, but yeah. uh, you know, it's, they're not going to make them. They—they they don't want to be desperate going into those Correct. into the draft. Uh, all right, we're going to keep talking about linebackers, but some different types of linebackers here in just a second. But let me tell you guys about Built Bar. Uh, this time of year, almost everybody has given up on their New Year's resolutions, but not us. We are sticking to ours to eat better and to eat right. Thanks to Built Bar. Built Bars contain 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. Plus, they're covered in 100% real chocolate. Go to Built.com and use promo code LOCK15 
and get 15% off your next order. Use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at Built.com. All right, let's uh, let's keep talking about linebackers. Let's talk about Bobby Wagner, which I, hopefully this is the last show we talk about Bobby Wagner. <laughs> uh, Stephen Jones at the league meetings talking about Wagner said, obviously Dan Quinn has had a great history with Bobby and knows him well, so you have to look into it. However, uh, it just turned out it didn't work out for us. Is it surprising to you that the Cowboys basically said no at wide receiver here? Or sorry, at wide receiver, at linebacker here to Bobby Wagner. No, it's not surprising. I mean, I think, you know, he sounds like he's taking multiple visits, and that to me sounds like he's trying to get the last big payday, which I understand. Um, if that's the case, that's that's not the t- tier of player that the Cowboys are looking to spend on at linebacker, and probably for the reasons we literally just mentioned, right, yep. where uh, they have a, a good group, a, a capable group at linebacker right now, um, would Bobby Wagner be an upgrade to that linebacker core? Yes. Of course he would. Yes. I mean, the question is, would he be a $11 million upgrade? You know, And that's that the linebacker? number that Peter King said he's looking for a one year, 10 to $12 million for the season. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, that's the real question. I think beyond that too, um, he certainly would have been a, a great you know a leader and influence on Micah Parsons, but uh, he also might have been kind of a uh, progress stopper for someone like Jabril Cox. I mean, mm-hmm. we talked about the fact that these guys kind of rotate in and they'll, they'll all get an opportunity to play. But I think that at this point, you you want Jabril Cox getting a lion's share of those of those snaps so that he can get better and 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 be more talented. And that's you know, if the if the difference in play between Bobby Wagner and Jabril Cox uh, is it, it's probably not eleven million dollars in difference, or you know, whatever. I mean, Cox is not free, but it's like I mean, he's making a, a third or fourth round, whatever pick he was, uh, mm-hmm. a contract. So it's it's significantly less. You want to develop that guy on a cheap contract to be playing at a close level to the eleven million dollar player than signing the eleven million dollar player. Uh, and kind of stunting the growth of your of your cheaper rookie younger player. Plus, linebacker is just a young man's game, right? Like you yeah. don't see very many thirty year old linebackers as good as Bobby Wagner is making a huge impact because you've if this game anymore is about reading and reacting and flying sideline to sideline and making a tackle rather than even being in the right position and taking on blocks. Like that stuff still matters, but it's not the most important thing for a linebacker anymore. Yeah, and I think that, you know, the other part of this, too, is the phenomenon that we've kind of talked about where, yeah, I th- would Bobby Wagner be a good player on this team? P- yeah, probably so. I-, I just don't know that it's best for the team long term. And again, it feels like this one makes a little more sense because there's some fit there, but it just feels like a lot of Cowboys Nation right now is swinging wildly at free agent names that are available that they know, you know? And, and I just think that you know, we kind of should remind everyone again that like the problem at times with signing some of these older, older guys, especially, you know, and the, these, that's what you have left, right. in this kind of third yeah. wave of, of free agency is guys that are looking for kind of short-term deals to parlay that into a, a long-term deal, maybe next year, guys mm-hmm. that are established that are looking for that kind of one more contract deal. Right. Those are not usually the guys who are, healthy or playing well by the end of the season, you know, like the guys 
the reason that the Cowboys had success last year and, you know, at, at different points of the season is because a lot of their younger guys started to come on as the season went on. Now it didn't end up being enough, you know, obviously the, in the playoffs mm-hmm. is disappointing, but I think that there is something that you need to strike a balance with the idea of just signing folks to bring them in when they may only be marginally better than the younger players you have and, and, and the effect that has on those younger players. Development. Yep. Yeah, it's also worth mentioning, too, that signing a player like Wagner has some ramifications for the rest of your depth chart, right? You already have one linebacker who doesn't play special teams and Leighton Van Der Esch. You probably have another who's never going to play a special team snap again in Michael Parsons, right? You've got Jabril Cox coming off an ACL injury, which he hurt on special teams, and you probably don't want him playing there anymore. Can you really afford to have four linebackers on your team that don't play special teams? Probably not, right? No. And as good as I mean, yeah, and as good as Wagner is, and if the Cowboys signed him tomorrow for nine million dollars a year, I'd get it. There are some question marks, and I think that's one of the biggest ones. Yeah, and I mean, honestly, like even in that scenario, I think Jabril Cox is gonna have to play special teams. Like, yeah. you know, I mean, just because it's so you just really limiting your the pool you're pulling from. I mean, you've lost Cedric Wilson, who was a really big special teams player. You brought back Noah Brown, who's obviously a huge player in this. You still have some of the key guys like Goodwin and, and some of the defensive backs and that sort of thing. Kirsch, I think, will still continue to play some special teams, but you know, you cannot have a linebacker core. We can't have a linebacker room filled with folks who can't play special teams for one reason or another, because that's ultimately, you know, the value of having mm-hmm. those down roster linebackers is they fill out your special teams roster. Yeah. And those are typically some of your more athletic rangey guys anyways. So yeah, you want the bottom of your roster to be filled with those guys and having a guy like Wagner as great as he still is, would cause some problems there. Um, all right, let's let's talk about Michael Parsons. Uh, Mike McCarthy was asked whether Parsons is going to be moving to full-time defensive end after Randy Gregory decided to leave for Denver, and he said, "We've made it clear we want him moving around him around. He's a targeting issue who creates opportunities for others. His goal is to force offensive coordinators to came to game plan for Micah's chaos. Makes total sense to me, Landon. Like." He's one of the unique players where you can line him up wherever and he's going to create production. Seven of his 13 uh, sacks last year came from the linebacker position. I really don't understand why people want him to be a full-time linebacker or full-time edge. It doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I mean, I can understand the thought process there because it's it's a difficult concept to kind of still continue to get your head around a little bit. You know, the idea that uh, – you know, that he's not just playing one position or another, but I, yeah, I totally agree. in the fact that his, his ultimate value is that what you just mentioned, you can put him wherever and he can attack from wherever. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and the teams have to find a way to solve for that. Uh, and, and I think that, you know, if you, if you asked him to be full-time defensive end, could he do that? I absolutely believe he could. If you asked him to be full-time linebacker, obviously he could do that. It just wouldn't, you know, provide the best overall value for his skill set that, you know, being the kind of movable chess piece does. So, um, you know, I, I, I think that, you know, in the, in the, in the world of modern team building, I understand the kind of holding it in your back pocket that this guy can do this for you in there. And, and frankly, I don't mind it, you know, on a week to week basis, like, look, you've got a serious injury here. You want to replace, uh, 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 one of your defensive ends with Micah playing there full-time this week, 
I'm okay with. Well, it. and I think that's different though. Like it, for on example, a week to week basis is different. Right. Yeah, we totally saw it last year against the Chargers, right? But they were playing Storm Norton at right tackle. It was such an obvious athleticism mismatch that it made sense to play him full time edge that game on top of all the other injuries they had. But like, that's the advantages. Hey, some games you're going to be better off, Michael. You're going to have more value to us as an off the ball linebacker, kind of like in the 49ers playoff game. Like they needed somebody that had the athleticism that could make all the tackles. He had more value there than being matched up against Trent Williams every single snap. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that kind of game to game versatility is exactly why you try to make sure that you're maintaining your defensive line rooms and your linebacker rooms almost kind of with the idea that Micah Parsons isn't there, right? So that you yes. can have enough bodies there to make sure that you can provide him the ability to be flexible game to game for what you want to do. Uh, all right. Last little news bit from the uh, league meetings. Mike McCarthy was asked how they're going to replace Amari Cooper's production in the offense. Uh, and the first name to come out of his mouth, Tony Pollard, which kind of um, gives an idea that the Cowboys, as we've been talking about all offseason long, maybe view Tony Pollard as the potential solution in the slot with C.D. Lamb going to the outside to play that kind of flanker role. Uh, I mean, we, we've talked about this a lot, but now hearing Mike McCarthy say it, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, just it's good to hear that confirmed because we had heard kind of whispers all offseason that that was that was part of the plan was the an uptick in, in how they use Pollard as a wide receiver and, and it, like I said, it makes a ton of sense. Pollard came into the league as basically a slot wide receiver. Mm-hmm. He had to learn running back. So uh, and and now that we've seen kind of the hybridization of of the running back and wide receiver position, it only makes sense that you would have the guy that you had that basically transferred from being a wide receiver from college to being a running back basically full-time in the NFL would be a natural guy to kind of take on that role uh, to, to see more snaps as a wide receiver. I also think we'll see some of those kind of the inverse of that with CD lamb. We saw a little bit of it mm-hmm. last year where he took some handoffs from the backfield. So I think that they're going to provide those two guys opportunities to get the ball in their hands in a variety of different ways moving forward. Uh, and I think that both of them are going to spend a lot of time in the slot um, and, and and just kind of being where they need to be in order for Kellen Moore to kind of scheme them open and get their ball in the hands quickly. We'll say the Cowboys are thinking about using Pollard more from the slot and giving him, let's say, I don't know, 30 snaps a game seem like too many, 25 snaps a game. I mean, 30 snaps total, right? Like between yeah, total. carries and, yeah, between ter- carries and catches, that seems re- reasonable. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm, I'm thinking – you know, maybe 20 routes run, maybe. I mean, 20 routes lined up in the slot, 10 in the backfield probably seems about right. Um, if that's the case, do the Cowboys have a sneaky need at running back behind Ezekiel Elliott? Like, do they need to go out and get somebody else that could, you know, hey, Zeke is down this week. He's got a hamstring injury. We just need somebody to keep his role so we can keep yeah. Pollard in the slot. Is that something the Cowboys should look into? Absolutely. I mean, we've been talking about it, you know, that 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 if Pollard is going to be I mean, it's good to hear them confirm the Pollard thing, because we've been talking about all the next steps after that for a while, too. Like that includes the fact that you're going to need another full time backup running back. Right. Because Pollard is definitely a guy that, you know, if Zeke is hurt, you probably want to give Pollard an uptick of carries. But what you don't want to do is give give Pollard all the carries including yes. his own that he normally has and the Zeke carries that he would yes. have in a game. So you, what you want to do is replace the Zeke carries with a third running back. Now, 
Rico Dowdle is a guy that they really liked coming out. He's shown you some things, different points, some burst, some ability to pass protect. I have a lot of confidence, honestly, in him coming in and uh, at least being the, the immediate placeholder there. However, if someone falls to them in the draft, which more than likely will happen, especially around that four, five that's, area. That's the spot I was looking at, right? That fourth round. And maybe you go up from – I'm looking at their pick right now. Yep. 129 and use a fifth-round pick to go up to 110. And you go get a running back that maybe you had as the fourth running back in this class. That would make a ton of sense to me. Look Look how excited – Marcus is about drafting a running back, guys. On day three, all day, gave me all the day three running backs. No, but I I think, I think, yeah, I think that makes a ton of sense. Yeah, get another guy in here who can take a lion's share of carries, whose body can handle uh, Mm -hmm. the kind of, you know, punishment that Zeke does. Because again, what you're doing is defining a role for Pollard, and it's not just a backup running back role. So you need to replace the backup running back role so that your offense doesn't have to completely shift because you lose Zeke. If you lose yeah. Zeke and then suddenly you have to change Pollard's role too, now you're changing two things about your offense because of one injury, and right. that's just what you don't want to do. Yeah, and it's way easier to find somebody that can just come in and give you 12 carries a game in the backfield, right? Because yeah, if, that, if that's all you're missing from Zeke, 12 to 14 carries, there's a lot of guys in this class that can come in and fill that role and be just fine. And there's going to be some guys on day three that we're excited about in that spot. So uh, I think he just convinced me to go watch some running backs tonight. <laughs> so excited. Finding a running back, finding a running back who can give you 12 to 14 solid carries a game is probably one of the easiest things you can do in personnel acquisition. I mean, there's just a lot of people that can do that. So uh, whether it's in the draft, whether it's in the free agency, this is not like a huge concern for the guy. Yeah, and if you don't believe later, go to runningbackstillmatter.com and find out all that latest information. Uh, All right, let's take one more quick break to tell you guys about Rock Auto with the ever increasing numbers of makes and models. It's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock up on all the parts that you need. Rock Auto has everything from engine control modules and brake parts, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or your daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low, and they're the same for professionals or do-it-yourselfers like us. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right, locked on in the How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com today. All right, so Jerry Jones the other day was talking about the Cowboys' need for offensive linemen. He basically said they're going to draft one early in this year's class unless a Micah Parsons or CeeDee Lamb falls to them in the first round. Speaking of that... ESPN just released a new mock draft today from Mike Tannenbaum, former NFL GM, very, very plugged in, who had Derek Stingley falling to the Cowboys at number 24. Mm. The Stingley count as one of those Parsons Lamb level players. You know, it's tough. I mean, he his tape, especially from 2019, trying to remember my 2019. Uh, yeah. 2019 is unbelievable man yeah. i mean his 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 2019 cornerback tape is it's like deon sanders level yeah it's yeah some of the best cornerback tape you'll ever see from college so and everything past that has been kind of uh it, it feels like biding his time to to becoming draft eligible 
right? I mean, the, the LSU team as overall was not very good those last two years. I mean, certainly not to the level of the 2019 team. Um, and he dealt with some injuries. Uh, and when he came back, his play was good, not great. Um, but I have I have to believe that that talent is all still there. And and um, I, I mean, this is all filibustering, I think, to say this is tough. Uh, but I would be excited and scared if they drafted uh, 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 him at 24 because I think there certainly is the ability, there certainly is the chance that he comes in and he's a, a, an elite talent. It quickly becomes one of the best corners in the NFL. Uh, I, I don't think there's an equal chance, but there is a chance that he comes in, deals with injuries, never kind of regains yeah. that form that he was yeah. had at the freshman year. Uh, isn't terribly interested in working hard, um, so I, I I I really think it's difficult to say. I probably would take a chance. I think it's 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 such an important position. Yeah. Even though the Cowboys have such great depth there, maybe you find a way to move off of one of these other guys and 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 get something for it and, and go from there. The good news is the Cowboys do have really good track records with LSU cornerbacks with some don't, problems. Don't, don't, don't. <laughs> hey, they, they got really good track record with, with getting Landon excited about LSU cornerbacks <laughs> that they uh, that fell to them. So. Uh, I, this one's easy to me. Yeah, you take them. And I know you have a need at left guard. I know you need receivers. But this is a guy with rare, rare talent. And – you can see like the way some of the LSU practice stuff with him going against Jamar Chase. You can watch him against, you know, some of the best receivers in college football in 2019 and how he shuts them down. You can watch him against Devontae Smith at Alabama, who you're going to be facing two times a year, and watch him shut him down there. I just, I know there's some some questions there, but if he just opted out over the last two years, he's probably a top five pick. Probably. Uh, yeah. I at 24, that's where you can take risks, right? Like. If you don't, let's say you don't get your left guard or you don't get your whatever, your linebacker, it's okay. It's not the end of the world. But if you get a all pro caliber, caliber cornerback at 24 and you pair him with Trevon Diggs and you put him on the same defense as Micah Parsons and Demarcus Lawrence, now we got something special here. Like it's just the, the upside here is, is, is worth the risk. It's pretty immense. I mean, having Trayvon Diggs as your alternate corner, the, the, the one that they want to throw at that's dangerous man like you know so i i yeah like it's like i said i would i would take the risk as well i i think it's scary because there's lots of uncertainty there but his talent is too big and frankly you know i'm kind of of the mindset of i I'm skewing a lot of the old school scout thought process on these guys right like because i think that the i mean this isn't a whole other conversation but I think that there's a thought process that really looks down on these these scouts that look down on these higher ranked players who aren't afraid to take care of themselves until they get into the NFL. Like honestly, I kind of understand a little bit if Stingley was protecting himself, of you course, know, once after after that season of 2019 be like this is what you guys are getting in the yeah. NFL. I understand basically kind of saying, all right, well, this is not my rule that I can't come and play in the NFL. So I'm going to give you kind of to protect myself years. Uh, and, and and I could see how a player like that could end up being a great NFL player, I guess is what I'm saying, because 
I, I think the, the scouting departments view that as he quit on his team or he's not interested yeah, but, in football. Which, but you're, I, you're I don't view wrong. it like that. You're not wrong, but like we saw Micah Parsons, Rashawn Slater, and Jamar Chase all lapped exactly. out last year, and yep. they go on to be all pros in their rookie seasons. Like it's just, it's just. I think big... I guess that's what I'm pointing out is that I don't buy into that. Uh, you know, he quit or he doesn't love football because he, you know, was protecting himself. Like this, these guys. I mean, he knew look... he was a he knew he was a first round pick from the day he he was the national championship. So it's like. He probably knew he was a first-round pick when he got recruited to LSU, yeah, to mean, be honest. Right. Like, I mean, he's that kind of talent. So I I don't – I have no problem carving out exceptions for guys like that because, look, they're, they're following the stupid rules of the NCAA and the NFL. Their talent I don't think twice about it, honestly. That. Yeah, yeah. Kyle Hamilton? I'm, I'm not as scared about that 40-time, I think, as some other folks are. I, I, I What I see on tape, you know, he runs – he runs a four six ish. He's four six guy. I think that that's you know four six five, four six four guy, which is you know right dead in the center of what his combine time and yeah. what his uh, what his pro day time was. Uh, his anticipation is is what makes him special. His his and I think he his play speed is is really fast. I would be interested in seeing what his actual miles per hour were on the GPS versus you know his 40 times because i imagine that his play speed might actually be faster than than what the 40 times are telling you i i i would probably I take him just, or i i mean he's just so, so talented i just don't really care because your average linebacker in today's nfl is like 6'2 232 and they run a 465 yeah i know hamilton is a safety but he's going to be playing basically linebacker right you're going to have him playing in the box you're going to have him blitzing off the edge you're going to have him doing a bunch of stuff and he's certainly a good enough athlete, and he's got great tape. And is this now? If his forty was like a four nine or something, or a four eight, yeah. Well, then we're getting to the point where you just might not be an NFL athlete. But that's not the case, right? No. He's he's not maybe the most elite straight line guy, but all the rest of the stuffs were really good. Like the jumps were incredible. The explosion stuff was awesome. Plus, he's got great size. So I I, I just not overly concerned about it. I, Plus, he's a great player. I, I don't know. I honestly. Concerned would play him everywhere i don't think you even i mean this talk about having to play him in the box i don't i mean just fine i play play him in the back end i got no problem with it we got tons of tape of him doing a great job of playing in the back end of single high and and uh too high so yeah i got i got no issues playing with him anywhere my bigger uh, biggest question for hamilton has actually never been his play it's just how much do teams value safeties like that in today's nfl do you draft a safety even if you're the perfect safety prospect should you be a top five or seven pick? I don't know. They're just not all that valuable. You might be better off drafting an offensive lineman, taking a chance on a quarterback. But when we're talking late teens, early 20s, heck yeah, sign me up. I, 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 again, don't even really need to think about that one at all. I would also point out that you know the same argument, that same argument could be made for linebacker and Micah Parsons and was made last year for linebacker Micah yeah. Parsons. Is he worth the top 12 pick? He's a linebacker. And I was wrong because I thought he was just an off-the-ball linebacker. And I think the Cowboys did too for a while until Jerry Jones asked if he was a pressure player. Dan Quinn said yes. And then they moved him into that role in week two. And I think that's when they found out they had something different here. I think they knew before then, but yeah, I don't know that they were so interested in that they, they avail themselves of it very much. I think with Hamilton, you know, he's a similar player in the sense that you can do anything with him. Anything. So he, that level of versatility really helps your defense overall.
All right, that is it for today's show. Thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, as always, you can download the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Check out uh, the show at Lockdown Cowboys. You can check out Landon on Twitter at NicoleBCB. I'm at Marcus underscore Mosier. We'll see you guys back here on Thursday. Bye, everybody.